0: Today, we are talking with Michael Perman, an innovation futurist author of Craving the Future, transforming our deepest desires into new realities. Michael is an expert in customer insight, marketing strategy, and social media, and is a master of creativity. Michael's thesis is that what people crave in their lives is changing from urgent demands for things like cigarettes, coffee, or even tacos, more meaningful quest for new sensations and purpose. We will discuss how Michael sees the experience as a marketing insight and how organizations and individuals can use this to create new realities. Michael is one of the most creative thinkers I know and a fascinating presenter and storyteller with a terrific background in consumer research and branding. So let's begin. Hello, Michael. Hello, Jeff. It's good to be with you today. Thank you. Um, so Michael, can you please explain your thesis
1: in craving the future? The thesis of my new book, indeed. Yes. Um, so, you know, people have always been eager to see the future. And it has generally been led by gurus. The Oracle at Delphi, Nostradamus, Alden Toppler, Faith Popcorn are a few examples of guru oriented futurists, and they're all good and interesting, sometimes accurate, sometimes not. Um, I believe that it is time to demystify and democratize futurism. And my book Craving the Future is designed to do just that. Further through all the consumer research that I've done in my career around the globe and also more than 70 thought leader interviews with innovation luminaries that I've conducted over the past few years, i've learned that understanding what people crave in their lives beyond the typical urgings for immediate satisfaction uh, and more for experiences feelings purpose and meaning provide the keys to unlocking innovation doors and so the book is a combination of ideas skills uh, inspiration in the form of stories and some personal narrative about how I got where I've gotten in my life.
0: That's fantastic, Michael. We're gonna explore some of that um, as we talk here. Um, But can you briefly identify ways to reimagine the future and create these realities you refer to? Maybe give an example of an exercise people can easily do to reimagine their own reality?
1: Sure, indeed. Um, So the book has 20. Uh, skills so there's 10 that are both based on creativity how to generate the creativity that is a precursor to innovation and then there's 10 skills that are focused on futurism itself I'll give you a couple of examples one of them is just identifying the innovation quest So sometimes people in organizations confuse symptoms with goals they are troubled by a situation that is existing that they're seeing in their business and they rush to fix it with some predetermined path that's generally based on how they've solved a problem in the past. But I find that taking the time to really understand the innovation challenge that's in front of you is crucial. You might spend a month just identifying the problem that we're solving because that sets our, our, our guidepost. it sets our path of exploration, our sort of quest for understanding forward. Where's the market moving to in three to five years? What is going to change along the way? Are you solving a future problem with the current solution? So there's, there's a, um, skills and, and methods of inquiry to understand how to frame the actual problem that you're solving with futurism. Um, that's one example. Another one would be something we call time flipping which is looking back at the inflection points in the history of your organization or your brand or maybe your personal life and looking at where decisions that were made that led to great future or maybe a place where you have missed. Uh, In the case of Levi's, when we looked at the future over 150 years, there were some wonderful moments where they were intersecting with culture, the building of cities after World War II, the creation of the suburbs, the um, suburban rebellion of James Dean and Marlon Brando, Woodstock, the falling of the Berlin Wall, the beginning of the dot-com era, where everyone was changing the way that they were dressing. There were a couple of places where Levi's missed. Uh, they missed hip hop, which was essentially a billion dollar opportunity, um where was not tuned into the significance of the hip-hop movement that was emerging in the early 80s they also missed fashion jeans uh, and the, the significance of that rising we did this similar work uh, in the hotel business for a hotel client and you realize that some of the things that seemed trivial at the moment were kind of a big deal at the time ice machines in the hallways in the 1950s free hbo in the room um, things like that, like those were uh, in, in retrospect kind of minor, but along the pathway of innovation, uh, they were significant. So time flipping is the second one. The third one is what we call curious clues. So there, there's an axiom in the futurism business that was um, claimed or stated by a guy named Bill Gibson, who created the term cyberspace. And he says the future is already here. It's just not evenly distributed. And so curious clues, what we call them, are essentially signals for the future. They are facts that exist today, but seem far-fetched, and yet they're interesting. And they're actually have potential to be distributed more broadly in the future. Um, They may seem outlandish at the the beginning, but uh, as time goes on, they seem more and more real. And so people can identify these curious clues that are happening around the world that are relevant to their business, that are really far out, and maybe seem scary or irrelevant at the time. But if they can take the time to discuss and investigate the implications of those and the iterations of those, and the more current versions of those, um, then they're gonna be on the pathway to innovation for the future.
0: You know, Michael, those are very practical, and yet mind- um mind enhancing ideas that really get people thinking in different ways and um i'd like to talk about you a little bit here because i've known you for a long time and you certainly walk the talk in terms of everything you just said um as you know we wrote the book interconnected individual to help people reimagine their own future by uh taking their careers in their own hands and imagining themselves in different roles, different industries, maybe different work styles, and using creativity for themselves. And so I'd like to focus this really on your own evolution. Um, How did you evolve to develop this innovative, creative mindset that you've cultivated throughout your whole career to be a skill set that you're now really leveraging as a futurist?
1: Well, first of all, uh, I think that your book, The Interconnected Individual, is very relevant to futurism work and certainly relevant to my life. And one of the things that I keyed into was the concept of adjacent possibilities. So in futurism, the reason why curious clues are relevant is that they represent the epicenter of concentric circles uh, and potential reverberations for uh, other activities that could come out of, of, of certain innovation that you're seeing you know people in the futurism business you know, for years the flying car was kind of the iconic defining quest and yet today you know flying cars are being made all over the place in fact i think there's five or six flying car manufacturers here in oregon uh, it doesn't mean that flying cars are the thing what it means is that the future of transportation the future of mobility the internet of things connectivity related to mobility all those things are changing as well so i think of those are all those are adjacent possibilities that you identified conceptually in the book Uh, and really for me that's kind of how my career has evolved so i started in hotel restaurant school and eventually moved to food product development for uh, food service items. And in order to do that effectively, you had to know what was happening around the world. Uh, and of course, you know, I'm a little older, so this is even before the internet, you had to know what was happening in the world in terms of cultural and culinary trends. And flavor fusion was a thing that was happening, for example. Flavor fusion represents um, desires for taste, but it also re- represents geographic transitions and the movement of people. So there's, you have to look at the holistic um, series of, of concentric circles and adjacent possibilities. That sparked my curiosity to become a researcher. Um, and most of what I did was food, but you, know, you start to listen to the other things that are happening in the world around sustainability. Uh, and my career moved from that into apparel and you know both the food business and the apparel fashion business are similar in the sense of, that they both require and generate multi-sensory experiences you know how things feel how they look how they taste how they uh, make you wonder um, that kind of and the sensual pleasure that you get out of food and fashion. So, you know, I'd like to say that they, one thing leads to another in futurism and in my career if you're listening carefully to what's coming next.
0: Fantastic.
1: Uh, let me drill down a
0: little bit because the creative mindset that you have has a certain, this may be the wrong, plasticity, that you can be creative in many ways and in many situations, even in humor, in in telling stories, in connecting dots. How did you develop that? You you, you talked about your industry transitions, but what was your creativity transition in terms of your own mind and how you
1: uh, kind of saw the world? Yeah. So first of all, I believe that innovation is the ability to perceive alternative realities and the courage to move towards those visions. Mm -hmm. And so these are not alternative realities in the sense of an acid trip uh, in Fairfax or something like that. It's alternatives to the current reality. So the iconic examples is Airbnb being an alternative to the reality of the way that you think of a hotel and lyft and uber were alternatives to the reality of the generally unpleasant experience of riding in a taxi and so uh, if you think it first frame it that way and then what i find is that the good stuff in ideas is hidden in your collective consciousness and in your subconsciousness our dreams are filled with metaphors and symbolism that generally obfuscate the best ideas that we have because we are often beaten down by cultural norms. Uh, we are, we are afraid to share our ideas in public ways. We don't have the confidence to believe in what we know is true and by our instincts. And so what I do in, in creative sessions is stimulate people's uh, sensory, multi-sensory uh, experience uh, and work from a neuroscience standpoint to provide kind of the right blend of dopamine and cortisol and oxytocin production in your body that gets you to a place where you're really accessing your subconscious and you're accessing your collective consciousness um, as a group. And so I find that gives people confidence, gives people freedom, and gets them to the ideas that are there, but often hidden.
0: That's beautifully stated. You know, our uh, mutual colleague, Dart Lindsley, who's now at Google, was at Cisco, uh, has used the phrase to feel whole and alive. And when you're talking about creativity in this sense, one feels whole and alive when you're creative as a group and uh, that electricity mm-hmm. is, is infectious. And I've seen you in your groups do that. Um, one of the, your, your outstanding professional characteristics is the ability to transition from different roles and organizations in your career. Can you talk a little bit about individuals reimagining themselves? And maybe some of the transitions and challenges you faced when you made those transitions from field to field, or even role to role, from a researcher to a marketer to a consultant, et cetera. Um, how does one reimagine oneself uh, in,
1: in the way you have? Well, um, I don't think I'm that unique in the regard of reimagining myself. I think that's happening more and more with people. Um, you know, I, I would say, first of all, one advice I have for people is uh, to think of yourself as of a of a portfolio, as a professional portfolio, that what often happens is people go through college, they get a job, they're on a track, and then that is supposed to be their track for the rest of their lives Um, you know smart people get invited to do new things because they have multiple core skills but I think that's the essence of it is understanding what your core skill is your core skill might be strategic thinking your core skill uh, might be navigating obstacles your core skill might be using your imagination and then you can apply that to you know a variety of, of Disciplines and a variety of industries and a variety of teams. And I think a fulfilling career is one where you have sought variety that enables you to learn about yourself. And the more you learn about yourself, the happier you're going to be because you're going to really understand, you know, where your own personal sweet spot is. And I think that's a lot about um, experimenting. You know, innovation so much is. Is based on experimentation and trying new things and learning from them and gaining the insights that lead you to something else. That's true from a business and organizational standpoint, and I think that's true from a personal standpoint.
0: You know, Michael, we've we both have done transitions in our lives and we've had challenges. And um, I know you've had challenges, I've had challenges. When you're in an environment that resists or everything that you have said, or you're working for a boss that res, or your boss changes, and the boss who encouraged creativity and innovation now is replaced by somebody who squelches it. How does one approach challenges to this kind of way of thinking and living?
1: Well, I think there's a truth that sometimes you have to leave. <laughs> you know, if you're if you're operating in an environment that doesn't respect who you are and doesn't mm-hmm. allow you to do your, your best, you know, then it, then it might be time to move on. I've certainly had in those situations. And I, I know that people that I've worked with uh, over the years have had that too. It's why people change jobs. Uh, you know, I think there are situations in, in business where unstoppable forces meet immovable objects. And sometimes that's just about timing and you know sometimes organizations are in a in a mode and a mindset that's complementary to your skills and sometimes um, they are not so you know i i think um, it's really about knowing who you are and knowing you know your adjacent possibilities understanding deeply who you are helps you identify those adjacent possibilities or so those concentric circles and and the reverberations of, of the implications of where you might go to apply. Um, the world is big and it's virtual, and your skills, uh, you know, are needed in so many places around the world where you weren't didn't normally have access to because of the nature of virtuality. And of course, the virtuality is going to continue to change in terms of where you can work and where you can apply uh, the, the the skills and the expertise that you have. And so I think my advice on that is, you know, just find those pockets, um, find those streams and enjoy that ride. Beautifully stated.
0: You know, uh, I don't have to tell you that executive burnout and people feeling disengaged or numb in their work uh, is something that seems to go with our era. And yet you have, over a long career, maintained enormous passion. And uh, interest, curiosity, you have certain characteristics that no matter what the circumstances were, you were able to continue to make your life interesting and continue to kind of have that pixie dust, if I may use that term, that enabled mm-hmm. you to go from, from one project to another, one organization, one role, et cetera, to another, and yet maintain that uh, enthusiasm. So, so now that you are in this stage of your career, Michael, what are you passionate about? And what motivates you in your work um, today and ho- hopefully tomorrow in, in terms of when you, you look forward?
1: Well, first of all, I'm passionate about generating creativity in other people and enabling other people to see over the horizon and take control of their own destiny. It's like planting a garden and watching it grow. So much of what I do uh, in organizations is, is for the people who work there, not just the business itself. So, yes, we identify the future in terms of strategies and platforms and concepts. But in so doing, uh, we help people unleash their own personal creativity, their own personal imagination, and their own personal fulfillment in that process. So, you know, I think that's that's important to me. Um, I, I believe that, you know, sort of the fundamentals of creativity innovation are the same in every every kind of industry. And they, um, you know, whether I'm working with a hotel business or sports or food or energy or automobiles, a lot of the fundamentals are the same. I'm personally passionate about tangible things. And I feel that we've entered into an era in society where innovation is often solely connected with the idea of technology. Um, you know, we think of science fiction as something that is a guidepost for future technology, but what about art fiction? And what about creative fiction? And what about uh, food fiction. You know, there's, there's things that, that are tangible uh, and meaningful that aren't necessarily science and technology in terms of our future. Um, I'm personally passionate about salmon, both eating it and saving it for the future. Yeah. Um, you know, there, we have some significant climate change issues that are affecting all sorts of creatures and all sorts of elements of our society that I think people, you know, a lot of people, underestimate the grotesque impact. That climate change is going to have. So um, I I pay attention to that. The clients that I work with generally pay attention to that. It's shocking to me that we're living in an era where we have a president who's not only in denial of climate change, but is actively pursuing policies that pollute our air and our water, damage our health, and disturb the peace and freedom of our our citizens. So, you know, I'm passionate about um, sort of the, the social justice that's needed. the the future of our society uh, in in terms of sustainability and enabling us and my kids to enjoy the life that um, we've enjoyed. Um, So I'm passionate about all that. Um, And then I would say the last thing is I'm generally passionate about understanding how our minds work. Uh, And, um, you know, the mind is, is a mystery. We have a brain and we have a mind. The brain is our function, our motor, our engine, all of our moving parts that enables us to do what we do in life. Our mind is this broader field of energy that emanates, emits, and receives, creates, wanders, thinks, you know, sort of participates in the world in a different way. Um, And uh, we know more and more about that, but I think unraveling those mysteries because they do lead to happiness they do lead to um problem solving and they do lead to um, a, a sense of fulfillment that people would have in their lives and and i'm passionate about trying to make that happen
0: that's fantastic michael and uh I know that you are passionate about so many things and and that you are also have life balance with your family, with your friends, with your community and that leading a holistic life is a passion of yours as well. So um,
1: mm-hmm, that's this true.
0: Has, Yeah, this has been great. And uh, so I'm going to suggest to people that uh, if you want more of Michael Perman, you certainly should uh, take a look at Craving the Future. And Michael, you have a series of podcasts on your own that uh, we're going to have the Mm -hmm. link as part of this podcast. So if you'd like to hear Michael um, uh, and what he is doing and interviewing and and his thoughts, please check out his book
1: and his podcast. Michael, thanks again. This has been great. You're welcome. And my my website address is saywhat.org. So the name of the company is Say What? L-L-C, and that's C-E-S-T-W-H-A-T dot org. And you'll find some more interesting stories and uh, advice from me on that website. Great.
0: Thanks again, Michael.